ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Evening Jones. So, like, what y'all been up to? You know, like, I used to try, like, generally speaking, try to, like, start this off with, you know, something from my here everyday life. I ain't really got that much everyday life, though. But, I mean, I got to say, though, and I wonder this at times. Shout out to all the people that are like doing all right right now, right? I mean, because I understand that this is like not an easy time for a lot of people, and I certainly don't have any judgment for them because we all process and deal with things in different ways, and there's a whole bunch of different stuff that's uh coming up here for a lot of people. But I do have to say. I do not find myself being driven crazy by this in the ways that I feel like for some other people it is. Now, part of that may be like because I'm here like by myself. Um, I'm not at a point of like being lonely about it or, you know, like that kind of stuff. So like maybe it's just like a ticking time bomb is a matter of time because, man, those of y'all that are doing this in the same house. um as other people and when i say other people i mean varying quantities of people within your domicile i truly wish y'all the best like i realized in part uh here in new york city when we talk about the people that's out outside in the street and we were like yo they're not practicing social distancing they're like yes i am socially distancing myself away from all those people in my crib like there's a whole lot of people that actually really want to social distance but they can't social distance because of social distancing. Rather ironic, don't you think? But that is, in fact, a circumstance that I feel like a few people are in on. But nah, man, I'm, I'm, I think I'm kind of treating this like, you know, jail, man. You know, got my little jump rope situation, doing some exercises, started getting down with a little yoga, start the day, open up the hips. You know what I'm saying? Get that going. Did a little core workout today, and the app said that it was a little workout. It did not feel like a little workout to me. Oh, my goodness. I, I was like, oh, oh, oh why, my, why my stomach feel this way? Oh, my God. Like, my stomach feel like I'm nervous. Like, what's, what's, what's really hood? Uh, what's going on here? You know, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at. We picked, like, the book club book for the right time. So I'm trying to uh, read some of that. As I can, I probably cooked more meals in the last three weeks in this house than I had in the three years uh, since I moved here in the first place. I actually find myself like getting to bed at healthier hours because, I mean, I really ain't got nothing to do. Like a lot of my life previous to this um, was getting ready for the show tomorrow, you know, and so I'd be up and like on the couch and on the computer you know, 11, 12 o'clock, whatever it is, trying to check what's going on so I can be ready for the conference call in the morning, um, you know, and like all that stuff. And so I don't have to do that now, man. We're getting in bed like 10 o'clock sometimes, you know, who knows when I go to sleep, I ain't necessarily going to sleep right away or anything like that. But I am finding that I got like some habits and things in my life that I'm able to handle um, a little bit better and kind of get on top of as of, uh right now like i'm still in the zone myself where i'm able to like make use of what the change in circumstance is 
it's also worth noting that like I mean I mean, granted, we wouldn't be doing the TV show now, right? I was going to say my job used to be doing a TV show, and there's no TV show for me to do, you know? Bunch of y'all that are in the house all the time, your whole damn job came and followed you. I did not really have that circumstance. Like, I pop up, do Highly Questionable a couple times, I do my podcast, you know? But it, it's a, it's a like, I'm still here, but not really kind of situation on my end. I guess that's probably part of it, because a lot of y'all, man, Y'all out here grinding like y'all was always grinding and it's getting more nerve wracking. Like it's a it's a really unfortunate circumstance to be in. And I wish everybody the best that's dealing with it. But I do wonder sometimes like with me and I think I kind of diagnosed part of why this isn't hitting me in the same way. I think that it's hitting some other people. But um, I wondered at a point like is something wrong with me. Like, am I doing this wrong? Cause this ain't great, but like, I'm not at the point where it is like awful. I'm not quite there. Cause look, man, this is the thing. And I'm trying to figure out when this is going to become counterproductive. Every time they keep stretching these little deadlines out by like two weeks or something like that. I totally understand why they're doing it. Cause people need to feel like there's good news around the corner. I just think it's probably better to tell people to buckle up. That's all I'm saying, man. Like, I for real strongly suggest uh, buckle it up. I just don't think this is going to change anytime soon. Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get myself out of the place of feeling kind of inclined to wag fingers at people that ain't respecting the game. Like I'm trying to have some measure of understanding and there's some ways that I can spend and I can get um, understanding some of the behaviors that people have exhibited. that, quite honestly are going to keep us inside longer than we would be otherwise. For example, I have problems with people who are hosting church services right now, but I understand the people who are attending them if church is your coping mechanism, right? Like if that's the thing that you do to get by, is that where you find answers? If that's where you find solace, I can't imagine what it's like trying to find that. Except now you like going to, to like a web stream. I don't feel like that's the same thing. Could be wrong. Right. But I feel like that's something a little bit different. Um, So I, I I don't want to get there, but man, I read this story about this one dumbass little boy He's 18 years old. It was in the Washington Post. I think they lived around like the D.C. area, but I honestly don't remember right now. But this dumbass boy is living with his mama. And every day he's 18. Every day he gets up and he goes out and he and his friends. Uh, like they've been working on building a bonfire. Yeah. And so he does that. And then he brings his dumb ass back home. And his mama's like, I just don't, I just can't do anything about it. You can kick him out the house. Like the whole reason that you can't stop him is because he's 18. The whole reason that you ain't got to let him back in the house is because he's 18. Right? 
Like, nah, man. You go out, you stay out. People do that to their 18-year-olds all the time. I bet you found some good ass since then, huh? You must be out of your mind. What are you doing? This is ridiculous. Like that, that, that I don't, that I don't get, man. Like, I believe I told you this a, a couple of weeks ago, somewhere in there in this podcast. I was like, the next level of this in terms of the way that we consume it is gonna be when people start dying. Like, I didn't want to be crass about it. I didn't want to be rude. I didn't want, you know, but that was going to be the step. Like, I was even just reading a story about Trump that one of his folks, one of his friends went into a coma after this. And that that is believed within his camp that that had an effect in the way that he looked at it. Like, I mean, he it's a day-to-day proposition, but you understand what I'm saying. Um, And so that's the place that we were going to get. And now I'm starting to, like, you see stories. We haven't had any, like, really, like, I think we had a country singer that passed away this week, but there haven't been any, like, super big names. Like, we had Tom Hanks has the coronavirus, but we ain't had rest in peace Tom Hanks. You know, maybe that's going to be the point at which these things start, like, getting real serious to people or something like that. But this is the next stage of it. And the thing that people need to remember is the point of staying inside is not simply so that you don't catch it. The point of staying inside is so that if you catch it, maybe there will be a hospital bed waiting on you. That's what, like, like think of, that's what the magnitude of this is. Is that all the things that we're doing, they decrease the likelihood that you're going to wind up catching it. But it ain't no, like, 100% success rate. But it helps. And the best that you can ask for if you catch it is that we have, like, the means to take care of you. And the big danger of this is that there were not enough hospital beds to account for all the people that are coming in. Keeping in mind that all the shit that's out here killing people every other day is still out here killing people. Like, it's still people out here having heart attacks. It's still people out here having asthma attacks, right? Still people out here with diabetes. All that stuff is still here. Everything else that can be a problem. It's all still here. So you think about that, you know? So, like, we just got to do this. We got to hold it down. And it's to protect yourself and to protect the overall system. And I think that's something that is very interesting to observe here is the different ways that people view the notion of the commune. Because what we're asking for here in a very individualistic society is a larger appreciation for the commune. And so the thing about us as Americans and the way that we view things that are communal is we we have tried to find the balance between its fierce individualism, but also an understanding of the idea of the greater good. Now, both of them serve the purposes of those in charge um, each for a different reason, though, right? Like, I do believe that kind of the individualism and, like, notions of competition, I do think there's some value to that idea. And I do think that there's some advancement that you get from having that. But it's kind of hard to reconcile that with the greater good on the level of the individual. You see what I mean? Like, you can reconcile the idea of how individual competition helps everybody from up top, but it's hard to re- reconcile that when you're on the ground. 
And so everybody's been so concerned with, I'm going to do what I want to do. You can't tell me what to do. And once again, you got to remember, I'm black. I'm perfectly aware of everything that you can tell me. Right? It's what it is. You can't tell me what to do. Somebody can. Right? Is that like, does that come with, with your white card? That just literally nobody can tell you what to do? Because nobody believes that there's nobody that can tell me what to do. Not a single solitary soul believe that. So please just stay inside, man. Begging you. By the way, my man here says nobody wants authoritarian governments until a pandemic hits. Hey, man, got to admit, the fact that those governments are authoritarian can greatly aid the response to something like this. The ability to tell people what to do. It can go somewhere, right? There's some trade-offs, and the trade-offs are pretty significant, but I'm not going to pretend as though there's nothing, like, positive that you could get out of the idea. Like, now's the time where you need people to tell, like, somebody to tell people what to do. What is blowing my mind about this is, like, people who should be able to tell people what to do not feeling like they can tell people what to do, and that's right, I'm talking about parents, specifically the parents of college students. I understand the idea that like college is kind of this overlap between childhood and adulthood, right? Like it's a little bit of both and you want to train those kids to be adults or whatever it is. But I thought about it. All them kids that I saw down there at spring break and then the ones that came back, you know, I mean, it's self-explanatory, like the bad idea of doing like doing spring break at this time with the people who are there and they judgment and what they down there doing and everything else, right? Okay, you put all that together. But I didn't feel like from the pictures that I was seeing and who it was that was down there that that was a whole lot of kids that were paying their own way, right? I, I, I detected um, a non-insignificant amount of parental financial contribution to those trips to Mexico and other places as such. If they down there on your card, cut the motherfucker off. Tell them before they go. The card is cut off. You don't have any money. Like, I didn't feel like when I was in college, I lived under the thumb of my parents. My parents didn't really give me that much money when I was in college. So that like that level, I guess, of authority kind of went away. But I was perfectly aware that it was stuff that they could tell me to do. Like, that could still happen. To this day, this stuff my parents could still tell me to do. Damn near 40 years old. You're going to tell me these parents can't tell these college students a little more about what to do? These same college students, by the way, where, where they got some problems in school or whatever, they got their mommies and daddies calling up the professor, right? So they, they, they kids, when it's time for you to go scrap it out over their business, but you don't feel like you can tell them what to do? All right. Oh, that wasn't even a question, was it? All right. Yeah, let, uh, let us move on to your question. Tender matches are going through the roof during this pandemic, but these girls know damn well we cannot meet in person right now. Bomani, why are women this way? All right, uh, Curtis. 
who asked this question. I'm going to take my time. I would like some people to be here when I answer this. Um, Curtis says, tender matches are going through the roof during this pandemic, but these girls know damn well we cannot meet in person right now. Bomani, why are women this way? And Curtis, you matching up with them or whoever it is. Like, it's a match. It is 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 two people who's doing this. Yeah, yeah. That wow. What a what a what a strange way to go about this. Now I could see, like, I could see some value in like doing the tender thing as of right now. So people can really, really get to know each other. Like I was thinking about this. Um, we did something on the right time where it was raising the question about whether or not there's going to be like a baby boom after this or whether there's going to be a whole lot of divorces. And apparently in China, it's a divorce city uh, coming out of this. But um, you could like really take the time to get to know somebody right now if you so choose. Right? You got all the time in the world to talk. All the time in the world to talk. Who knows what it's going to be when it gets back like open and out there or whatever it is. But I can see the value in the matching up just because you just like want somebody new to talk to. That's still a good place to go find somebody new to talk to. And the whole notion of the match takes away a lot of the vulnerability for people. So, boom, there you go. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Brian Kaufman, I did not do the deep dive. I need to, though. I've actually been, like, working and trying to, you know, dedicate myself to some physical fitness. Here you go. Who you got, Manny or Scott? Is this one of these uh, battlers? Scott Storch and Manny Fresh? I thought it was supposed to be Scott, Scor- Scott Storch and, uh, and T-Pain. What is supposed to be Scott Storch and T-Pain? Where did uh, now it's Scott Storch and Manny Fresh? That's a that's an actually pretty interesting one. I went through the uh the Scott Storch discography um after this came around as an idea. And let me tell you who got a lot more heat than I remember. Like with Storch, I'm still of that age and of the like inclination. I think of Scott Storch first as the dude that used to be in the roots. And it's really interesting because, like, the sound the Roots had when Scott Storch was there is so different than what it ever was after that. And he still did tracks with the Roots. And, it I mean, but you could always tell, like, the Scott Storch track, all the Roots record, by and large, it tended to be a single, you know? But Storch, you know, like, you not just, like, like, lean back and, like, still DRE, they the ones that, like, really jump out, like, you know, I think for a lot of people that come through there. But you go look at, I mean, I think he did what he did baby boy naughty girl and what was that other one off that Beyonce record I think it was dangerously in love that he did yeah yeah man he's got some heat on the other side we got Manny Fresh and like I'm the wrong person to ask about this because my vote is almost entirely gonna be Manny Fresh but this is the question that I have and I don't think I've seen anybody mention this and if I'm wrong about this, I'm wrong. Let me know. Like everybody thinks, you know, like I don't want to be like I'm, you know, Christopher Columbus in this idea. But uh, 
we got all these like producers battling. We got songwriters battling. We ain't got no rappers battling. Like how how does it appear that everybody is out here battling? It's except for rappers. Like, is this the point where we're at in the game? Because you can't act like there's not a spirit of competition out here amongst artists. Like, it's obviously there because we've seen it from the dudes with beats. Now, I also think it's worth, it's interesting that these battles that we got with these producers is all flexing their catalogs. I'd be curious to hear them flex, like, stuff they never put out before or stuff that hasn't come out yet. Like, that's what I would like to see. But we ain't got no rapper battling. And somebody is like, yo, it's because of egos. And I'm like, yo, ego used to be what drove people to battle. Like, it's kind of wild that nobody can, nobody is willing to step out here. That being said, I'm trying to think about it. Like, outside of, like, cats who are just, like, battle rappers. Like, that's what they do for a living. They battle rap. Don't make much money, but they battle rap. I guess I can't think of too many times like these cats is really just out here like recreationally doing it. But you tell me this. If you found out that they was going to redo Meth vs. Chef on IG, would you watch it? Because I will watch it. You know, like, can we get a cypher? Like, if we can't, if we can't get no battle. Can we just get a cipher? There's got to be a way to do a cipher. There's nobody that wants to do a cipher. That's all I'm saying, man, is that there's an energy that surrounded rap at a different time that simply isn't there. And the biggest thing that happened, and I understand why it happened. I don't necessarily think in every way this is bad, but a big thing that happened was being the best don't matter no more. All right, once we win, don't worry about if I can rap, worry about if I can sell records. That really wasn't a win. And it, it mattered in rap in a different way because rap is the only, like, rap is easily the most self-referential music of any music that there is. And so the standard for what rap is is contained within rap. And so once the standard just came to be, well, who got more hits? Guess nobody want to battle or just have a cipher. Appreciate that question. Yo, this Curtis dude has the worst questions. This Curtis dude put in here. How wild is it that domestic violence is increasing since everyone is stuck in the house together? Sadly, it's not wild at all. It's terribly predictable and frightening. All right, see what else we got here. Why are gun stores essential business and not barbershops? Now, I feel, of course, pretty confident that part of the gun shop being seen as essential, um, you know, has to do with like politics, lobbying, you know what I'm saying? All that kind of stuff. 
I would also make the argument that in the time, like in these times that we're in, you at the crib all the time with your family. I could see a set of circumstances where something happens that does make you wake up and say, you know what? I think I might need to get a piece. Like I could see how that might happen, right? Like imagine you at your crib and you notice that somebody tried to kick in the back door. I don't know about you, but I might be tempted to go get a piece. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I can't pretend like I don't understand that. And by the way, the idea in a country where you have this Second Amendment, that if you now feel that you are in danger, the constitutionally allowed get out of danger card and debatable how much danger it gets you out of. But I can see how you could deem that to be essential under those circumstances. The thing with the barbershop, though, is can you think of a place that's more unsafe in these times? Like the barbershop might be essential, but it is also like a Petri dish on so many different levels. Like you just can't you just can't be doing it like that. And by the way, stupid Curtis says, I didn't think he really read this shit like the questions. Dummy, how can I answer the questions if I don't read them? Lance, you know what's up. All right, appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Dudes in here talk about, do you consider gentlemen's clubs to be essential business? If I just said the barbershop was horribly unsafe. Like, didn't I just tell you that? Have you heard about the cruise ships with sick and dead passengers that have to stay at sea? Apparently, the Coast Guard will decide on evacuations and transfer to hospitals on a case-by-case basis only. Wild. Yo. I don't know about you guys, but I ain't taking no cruise ever. Like I, I don't. I. It's gonna take a long time before I feel comfortable getting on a cruise. Cause that story, I saw that. I mean, and it's a hell of a dilemma, right? We got a bunch of people that might have a coronavirus. What do we do now? I don't have a great answer for that. You know, like Florida's like, we'll only take the people from Florida. And the only reason they're taking the people from Florida is because they kind of have to, because those people live in Florida. Hey man, let me ask you this. This is a serious question. And and again, I get where I, I just don't think, I don't know if anybody's wrong here. Let's just say that there was this cruise ship and it had these people on it. And some of them were sick, and some of them were dead, and that boat docked at your house. You gonna let somebody in to use the phone? Because I'm not. Nah, nah, I'm not doing that. 
Anyway, while we're here, and I imagine that when some people saw this question when I put it on Twitter, they came to check this out for one reason and one reason only. And they were just wondering if I was going to tell a story. Do you guys like to hear a story? I don't believe I've told it in a while. It's an oldie, but it's a goodie. So I know this dude who knows this dude, right? And they was at work one day, and for whatever reason, these cats were, like, at the office talking about, like, the circumstances under which they got divorced. You know, I ain't never been divorced. I ain't never really worked way with them jobs where you really be kicking around the office cooler like that, you know? So I don't really know nothing about that. And so this one guy was like, oh, I'll tell you about the time, about what happened when I got divorced. And cats was like, oh, okay, what's up? And so my man said that he was married to this woman who worked on a cruise ship. And that he had kind of got some, like, weird vibes. Like, she's coming back off the ship. Like, something didn't really, like, you know, something didn't seem right when she would get back from work. And then one day, he says, some dude, and the quote I heard was, his name was Julio or Esteban or something. Uh, he calls the house. My man answers the phone. And old buddy's like, yo, where's Keisha? Where's Keisha? And he's like, what? So now he got like a little little uh, sneaky suspicion. And so he decides to put a tap on the home phone. Right? And so he put the tap on the home phone. And then after a while, he ain't even really think about it. In fact, as I recall, he was kind of feeling bad about the fact they even done this in the first place. But something happened that made him say, you know what? I'm going to listen on the tape. And so he's listening. And Keisha on the phone with her mama. And she's like, I don't I don't know. I'm just I'm nervous. I, 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 I don't know. I think he knows. I'm just really scared. And she's like, oh, I just I mean, what's he going to do when he finds out I'm fucking the whole ship? That's right, guys and gals. The whole ship. Not half the ship. Not a couple dudes on the ship. Not even everybody but the captain. Nope. The whole ship. And the question that I've always had in every time that I have told this story is can you imagine hearing anything worse? Like if you are in that man's situation, can you imagine any worse combination of three words like anything like 
So many of you who have heard this, how many of your jaws just dropped? Even those of you who were reading along in the chat and saw that people had ruined the punchline, even knowing that the punchline was coming, were you ready? Were you? Because I have found that every time I have told this story, no one is ever ready. Like the first time they hear it, no one is ever ready. Every time I've told this story to somebody, it's been like, wait, what? Like it just, it, it just stops you in your tracks when you hear the three words, the whole ship. Dude said, how big was this ship? It's a ship, Eric. It's a cruise ship. Now, I'll be honest. I'd never been on a cruise. I'd never seen a cruise ship when I first heard this story. Like, you see the commercials, but that don't really give you no gauge. And then I moved to Miami. You drive down 395, and you see them cruise ships. I mean, I'm assuming that the woman was exercising some measure of hyperbole, but man, it's a lot of windows on that boat. I mean, that's a big, that's a big ship. I mean, even if she just talking about like the people that work on the ship. It looked like it take a lot of people to make that ship work. Whole ship. And there's no way to be prepared for it. None whatsoever. Appreciate that question. I could almost quit this podcast right now. All right. Check this one. You watching Dave, Lil Diggy's whole game, the height of privilege, or is it cool because he's letting the joke be on him and being an unabashed fanboy? Um, I haven't talked to Lil Dicky in quite a while, but we kind of cool. Like I had him on uh highly questionable because like back when like rapping was his hustle, um, uh, I came across his music. And it's this real serious dilemma because he obviously was somebody who did not grow up on hip hop, and he's like a comedian first, and it's obvious that he was trying to like be funny before anything else. But he can really, really, really rap. And I did find his rapping stuff to be funny. Like, right? Like, I didn't know what to make of it because his existence in the game absolutely is the height of privilege. He told us a highly questionable. I think we asked him the first time he ever got paid to rap, and he said he got paid $10,000 to rap at a bar mitzvah. Like, yo, that's a completely different experience than any black person is going to have. Like, before you start getting invited to rap at bar mitzvahs, you got to have a top 10 hit. So, like, I don't really have a great handle on, like, exactly how I feel about it, but I don't feel like the dude is doing anything wrong. Right. Like, I think there is absolutely a measure of self-awareness about where he stands in all of this. But this is a very don't 
hate the player, hate the game situation. I think that's the way I look at it. And no, I haven't seen the show one day. Appreciate the question. Oh, I guess. Have I talked about this? I don't remember. Tiger King is so America. Have you seen it? Have I talked about Tiger King here yet? All right, so I have seen uh, Tiger King, and guys, the most amazing thing about Tiger King, and I think that it's like referenced in the film, but the most shocking thing about Tiger King is that any of these people would dare sit and talk in front of a camera. Like, you want to talk about the height of white privilege. That's it right there. That they out here doing all this stuff and talking about it on camera. That's the part that got me. I'm going to tell you this, though. Some people got a little surprised when they found out that Joe Exotic was out here doing videos talking about why can't the black rappers say the N-word, and I can't say the N-word. And one thing that absolutely jumped out to me about this whole thing is there is not one African-American to be found in the whole damn thing. Um, The lady with the one arm, I didn't think she was white. Was she? Because otherwise, everybody in this bad boy just white. Everybody. And by the way, I wasn't about to call the NAACP about that shit neither. No, y'all, y'all, y'all got this. No, no, we do not need. We do not need to be represented in this film. Absolutely not. But anyway, I thought to myself at some point, I was like, man. I wonder how many times they had to like basically how much of that footage that did not make it to air involves the use of the N word. I think that's a fair question. Don't you? Like, I don't know who does. It doesn't, but I knew it was somebody. And of course we found out, or at least we had strong reason to believe now that one of them is Joe exotic. That's it. I felt like Joe Exotic really only hates one person in this world. Just one. He seemed like a fairly pleasant chap otherwise. He just seemed to have one person that he hates. Just one. And ooh, buddy, he hates her. He hates her something vicious. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you go watch that Tiger King thing. That's a a lot going on there, man. There's a lot going on. All right, appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Did you see the video of the FBI raiding the guy's house in what looked like Brooklyn for hoarding and price gouging 700% um, on the N95 mass? I haven't read the details of this story and while we're here i gotta say 
I think I will read the details as we talk. And the reason that I will is, I mean, while I find that whole idea to be distasteful, um, I need to know, like, is the problem the hoarding or the price gouge? You understand why I'm asking that? Because, I mean, I didn't know that being a businessman was illegal. All right, so it says here, this is from the New York Post. Wow, it's a truck full of them. The raid was at a warehouse. Wow, Baruch Feldheim. Hmm, didn't see that. All right, he's facing charges of assault and making false statements to the feds on Sunday outside his borough park home where he allegedly peddled and stored massive amounts of N95 respirator masks, federal age officials said. Okay, so they're getting him on the price gouging, but it appears that they were getting him on a lot more. All right, so it says here he's suspected of selling a New Jersey doctor about 1,000 masks for $12,000, a markup of nearly... So he's selling for $12 a mask. Okay. Markup of 700%. Says the accused fraudster also directed another doctor to an auto repair shop to pick up another order. There, the doctor reported to investigators that Feldheim was allegedly hoarding enough medical supplies to outfit an entire hospital. They said my man had the hand sanitizers, the Clorox wipes, the cleaning agents, the surgical supplies. Um, and they said by last Monday, but it was operating from his Brooklyn home, offering to push surgical gowns to a nurse. And then he got a huge shipment at his house of eight pallets of face masks, at which point the FBI staked out the crib because they saw empty boxes of masks outside and. I just want to know who to plug. And by the way, whenever they tried to get close to him to arrest him, they said he kept trying to cough on him. So it says he told the agents that he worked for a company that sold the equipment and that he never took physical custody of it. Like, I, I need to know. I'm much more curious about the fact that he could acquire this stuff in the first place than the fact that he did. Like, that, that's what I want to know. I got all kinds of questions about who he getting it from, how much he paying, how he found the doctors to push the mask to. I just want to know. All right, let me see if I got one more here in me. One more, one more, one more. After hearing OJ say Carol Baskin did it, is OJ slowly tweeting his way back into our good graces? Speak for yourself, buddy. Speak for yourself. But ladies and gentlemen, Thanks so much for joining us here on the Evening Jones. Try to do this thing about once a week, something like that. My man Lance Gilliam handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Uh, remember, if you can't watch the Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the iTunes store, subscribe at Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. We are also at the Google Play Store. 
I'll talk to you guys probably next week. Take it easy.